Welcome to the Script and Style Show, the web show where we talk about web development with the people that make it happen. Today's episode is brought to you by TrackJS JavaScript Error Monitoring. Know when errors hit your website with the context to find and fix bugs fast with TrackJS. Start your free trial today at trackjs.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Script and Style Show. Uh, I'm Todd Gardner from uh, TrackJS JavaScript Error Monitoring, and my co-host, David Walsh, creator of the popular blog, davidwalsh.name. How's it going today, David? I'm great, Todd. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little off because I didn't actually have my script up in front of me. So that was just totally ad-libbed right there. That was the style part of things. That Usually was we the have the script, style. that was the style. <laughs> Definitely. What 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 are these these things sticking out of your ears, man? Are you are are you an alien now? So that's actually a funny question. I have uh earrings in both ears, which are which look like screws, right? Like a <laughs> screw that would go in a wall. <laughs> And I get odd looks all the time and people asking me how much it hurt. And of course, I'm a massive fraud because I just, you know, it's like a two part <laughs> earring that you just like uh, screw in, so to speak. But I am, I'm like, I'm air potted out of my mind right now. And it's great. It's great. You know how like you see something come out, especially with Apple, and you're like, oh, it's just this basic thing that they've, marked way up that they want you to think is super fancy. That was what I thought. So I was like, I'm just going to buy some like $20 knockoffs. Horror show. Terrible. Hmm. Don't work. Don't pair. Um, and so for my anniversary, I should say my wife and I's anniversary, I was, you know, she went through the same problem. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy her air. I'm going to get over my pride I'm going to buy these AirPods, right? So I go to give them to her on our anniversary. And she's like, oh, I bought my own last week. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so I gifted myself, apparently, AirPods for our anniversary. And they're great. Nice. No problems pairing. Charge lasts a long time. Um, They're excellent. So I'm happy to support some new, or I should say, happy to wear some new headgear. Feels Hmm. good, man. See, I've always uh, I don't have them handy. I just rock those great big Bose noise canceling headphones. I figure like I'm either I'm either listening to something or I'm not. And so like if I'm gonna listen to something, I may as well just like pull in, pull in with the big ones, big can headphones. But they're not white and they're not stylish. You you, look, you end up looking like you have tires on your ears or something. They're massive. Yeah, but, yeah, but it sounds good, and I don't hear other people talking. That's a major bonus. <laughs> anyway, anyway, moving right along. What are we going to talk about today, David? Yeah, so last week you've been telling me about some of the stuff that you've been working on lately. And I, I, I like stopped you dead in your tracks and said, we should talk about this on the show. Don't tell, don't tell me about it now. Let's talk about it now. Yeah. All right, let's talk about it on the show. So you've been doing some really interesting stuff. And I've been doing some really cool stuff um, in the Firefox DevTools debugger. So I thought that we take some time out today and just have a casual chat about the stuff that we're working on, how awesome it is, and where people can find it. I love that. I love just bullshitting about like what people are actually working on and real stuff getting built. I think this is going to be a fantastic show. Awesome. Why don't you so, go first? What what are we working on with the dev tools? What's what's happening, man? So 
the Firefox DevTools debugger is making leaps and bounds, and I'm so excited about it because I really like the CSS thing, the rules thing you guys launched a while ago. Yes, that was See, that I, is that is dope. That is I could go on for days about the other tools too. Um, but like Firefox DevTools uh, in general have been getting a lot of traction because we're not just trying to do parody stuff; we're trying to do creative stuff to help developers. Um, now, of course, I work mostly on the dev, uh, the debugger, which is really odd. When I came into the into the DevTools team to work on the debugger, I wasn't somebody who used the debugger very much at all. I was the serial console.log hmm. guy. Um, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But when you really start working on complex stuff, like you know a dev tool. Um, which is all based on JavaScript, HTML, CSS, React, you know, that that whole thing. Um, you really start to realize the power of the debugger and how it's good to just be able to stop and hover over variables and see their values at any given time. Um, and since I joined the team, we've implemented a whole bunch of awesome new features um, that people can see in Firefox nightly. So if you are a developer who likes using Firefox for development, um, get nightly because that's where you're going to get the really bleeding edge features that we're working on from day to day. So for example, one of the awesome new features that I added yesterday um, was now you can open the debugger via just shortcut. All the other panels had their own shortcut. For some reason, we didn't. Ours got stolen by another feature or something. <laughs> um, and so now you can open up the debugger with um, command option L, which is a huge help to me. Um, because I always end up having to open the console and then switch over. But more importantly, um, one of the nice new features that we've implemented recently was inline preview. So our Google Summer of Code student, DA, uh, made it such that when you pause in the debugger, any variables that are currently in scope, you'll be able to see um, with some inline text instead of needing to hover over the variable, um, which is a feature that when uh, our product manager brought it to me, I was like, is this really a priority? But now that we have it, it's amazing, man. Um, not needing to hover all over the place is a huge help. So big props to DA, that's really awesome. Um, and I'm excited to start improving that. Another um, feature that we recently added was down mutation breakpoints. So if a node- Is that like basically like a, uh, just using Mutation Observer? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, but again, like, I think about stuff like this all the time where it's like, why don't you just add a console.log in the code? Why don't you, you know, add a debugger statement here? And it's always important to remember that you don't always control the JavaScript that's in the page. It could be another Absolutely. library. Yeah. It could be minified, whatever, right? And so it's there, always, I have, I've always had like little code snippets for like attaching handlers to things and like having the ability to have those, those quick like bits of code like baked into the debuggers is, is huge. Like being able to say, Hey, I want to know when the text content of this element changes because some stupid third party widget is like rendering in there. Like that. Yeah. That's hugely valuable. Yeah. Totally agree. So down mutation breakpoints um, are in nightly and enabled by default right now. And one that I may have mentioned earlier is that we have event listener breakpoints as well. So anytime an XHR gets sent, fails, 
whatever you can break. Oh, cool. Um, cursor events you can break. Pointer events. There's literally uh, like 60 different types of events you can listen to and break on when they happen anywhere in the page, which is super exciting, super cool. Um, and so those are some of the things that are mostly complete. Um, we're looking to integrate the DOM mutation stuff even more into the inspector. So right now to create a DOM mutation breakpoint, you right click in a node, you go to break on and you choose something, but there's no visual representation in the inspector that you've done that. So we're looking to add some icon stuff in there. And all of this stuff is actually a lot harder than people think um, because there's so many different things going on in different mm -hmm. tools. And especially like when you're switching over to um, work on a new tool, it can be really, really difficult because again, you don't know everything that's going on in that tool and how it's used. Um, so that's some of the stuff that we're working on now. Um, another really awesome feature from a contributor named Miriam is watch points, which is if you get hold of an object, you can say, okay, tell me when the property A gets changed or deleted or a property gets added and you can break on that. So in our obsession to let you break on everything, I feel like we're almost there, um, <laughs> which this stuff is all really exciting to me um, because when I started, we didn't even have column breakpoints. You just broke on a line. So you couldn't really choose where exactly you were breaking on that line, yeah. but now we're letting you break everywhere. Um, it's really exciting stuff. It's really cool. Um, and I'm really excited about the future of the debugger because it's in really good shape right now. Um, what are you personally working on? Well, the DOM mutation breakpoint stuff is is my baby. Nice. And getting the integration stuff working because it's it can be difficult to ask a contributor to, you know, try and learn the panels when you know that you yourself it's going to take you a long time and you're going to have to talk to a bunch of team members. Mm -hmm. um, but what's really cool is that the develop the DevTools Debugger has a really rich community because it started out on GitHub. So anything on GitHub is going to be easy to work with, right? Because you have all the, the issues in one place, the code is in one place, you send your pull request to one place. Um, it's really easy to use. And through having used GitHub, we have built that huge community. Um, and so I come into work every day and I don't know what I'm going to need to review because we have all these awesome people working on all these awesome things. Um, and today, today's Tuesday, we have a community meeting that people can join um, where we're talking about what we're working on, um, how we can help them, how they can help each other. And it's, it's just really healthy. The debugger has a ton of stuff going for it right now. Um, and to me, that's something that's really, really exciting. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm so glad that like it's growing and I've been hearing like lots of good things about it from a lot of different directions. Like hopefully you can beat back this juggernaut that is Chrome and it owning so much of the web mindshare. Well, I, again, we aren't just shooting for parity with Chrome. Like we've gotten to, I, I feel like we're to the point now where we've, basically got that parody. Now it's like, let's do, let's make awesome stuff. So, which is why web replay is really exciting. Um, and so we'll, we'll dedicate a whole episode to web replay um, in, in future episodes, because <laughs> I know that my colleagues won't forgive me if we don't.
Absolutely. Um, but it's it's like more more than just working on an awesome tool, it's fun to come in every day and be excited about it. And that's down to like the technology that we're improving, down to the UI, like UI and UX we're improving. It's down to the contributor base and it's down to my colleagues. Um, it's really cool to come into work and see that while you were sleeping, one of your colleagues from France hit you on Slack and said, hey, David, this is awesome. Thank you so much for this. Like, that's super rewarding hearing that stuff. So I feel like we're doing really good work um, and I wanna make sure people know about it. That's great, man. How about you? I My, my stuff is exciting to me because I'm super into dev tools, but you have like a new, you have a new agent in the works. Which yeah. is like a whole new ecosystem thing. So yes. like tell people about it. So for the last uh oh I don't know, two months or so, kinda on and off, I've been working on this thing. Uh so Trek.js forever, we've been a browser uh error monitoring service, right? So like you take your code, you ship it out, <laughs> and like when it's running on other people's browsers, you don't have like the same kind of logging facilities that you have in place. And you can't just open up dev tools on remote browsers and just like see what's going on. So we were trying to fill that, that gap of like, we can tell people, we can tell developers when their code is blowing up in other people's computers on other people's browsers. And I need to say before you go on that TrackJS has saved my ass so many times <laughs> because for a personal blog, you know, I'm like, I'm not writing unit tests right? Like it's a WordPress blog, but I need things to, I need things to always work properly because I try and do a bunch of crazy Ajax stuff with my blog and page loads and stuff. And I'll, you know what it's like, you lazily change something, you're like, oh, no big deal. <laughs> and then I get that email from TrackJS at six o'clock, like, hey, two billion errors. What the hell did you do? <laughs> <laughs> you broke that class name you changed was being was a hook point for this important right, bit of JavaScript. Right. right. <laughs> so shameless plug, I love TrackJS. It saved me a million times and I tweet it out every time you do. <laughs> Anyways, well, go on. Well, thank you. Um, but so and and that's all still super valuable. But something that's happened over the last couple of years is that uh, the definition of what the front end means is evolving. And more and more teams who are like the front end development team at a company are not only responsible for the client side code in React or Angular or Ember or whatever, but they're, they're also responsible for like some node services. Maybe they have to build something that like is a node service that aggregates a bunch of RESTful endpoints together and returns like a more uh, a more appropriate payload, or, or maybe they just have some other things that just need to render server side. Sure. And we didn't really have a good answer for that. A lot of people like loved using TrackJS on the front end, but we didn't have something that existed on the server because we thought that like that was a solved problem. There's like it's easy to log on a server. You write your logs to the file system, and you have control over some things. And so we didn't we didn't see as much utility there, but a lot of people have been struggling with it. We've heard the request a number of times. So we started kind of playing with an agent when uh, when an important customer came to us and said, hey, we really want you to build a node agent. And we asked them to give us some money. And they said, here's some money to build a node agent. And we're like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, so is the way, is part, you said that you've been on and off working on something like this. Um, how do you, 
how do you and your team decide what's worth working on or what the next feature is going to be? Mm, that's a, that's an important, uh, that's a, that's a complex decision. Uh, so we use uh, Trello is kind of our work management board. Sure. And then like uh, we, the first kind of like row in our Trello board is what we call triage. And it's basically when any time a customer asks for something or when one of us have an idea for like something that either needs to be fixed, changed or built kind of thing, we throw it in triage. And then once a week we have kind of a planning meeting and we go through our whole board, everything that we're working on kind of stuff, uh, including the triage. And we decide in triage, is this something that we can pull in with our current workload? Are we just gonna like, just do this? Or is this a bigger thing? And if it's a bigger thing, we send it to our backlog. Um, and the backlog, basically we look at that whenever we get done with some big thing. And we're looking for like, what's the next big thing we're gonna do? And we we go to the bar and we have some we have some drinks and we talk about like what everybody thinks is the next most important big thing to do. Uh, it might be like a marketing activity. It might be a feature that we're missing. It might be an operations thing that we need to do. But we talk about like what the next big thing should be. And then we uh, once we decide what it is, we bring it on and. And then that's kind of like the core focus of our effort. All the oh. kinds of little stuff kind of comes through, uh, but uh, but there's always one big thing in flight for us. So how many things are sort of born out of you dabbling on the side and going like, guys, holy shit, check this out. We can do something with this. Um, not not so much anymore. We're pretty customer driven at this point. Okay, um, cool. I mean, the early days of Trekchius was a lot of us like hacking on ideas and playing with stuff. Uh, remote JS was us just kind of playing, was Eric actually uh, just hacking with something to see if he could get it to work. And then he got it to work and he's like, we should build something. So we built remote JS from that. Awesome. Um, uh, Node was something we'd, we'd played with a bunch of times, uh, but we just didn't quite see the full utility of doing it. Um, beyond like, there's like building the agent is fun, but then, then you have to change a bunch of stuff in like the UI of like our analytics system to actually sure. support it. That's a little, that was a little harder to do. But building the agent itself, which is what I got to do, uh, was super fun actually, because it was a greenfield project. And I haven't gotten to do a greenfield project in a long time. Yeah. And so I got to like, it was a greenfield project where like there were some challenges, there was some new ecosystem stuff that I had to figure out how to do. But like there was a bunch of stuff that I already knew how to do. Like I like here's the payload I have to build and it just has to go to this endpoint. And and like there were some known bits of what to figure out. But I gotta then explore new new JavaScript tooling that like our existing agent, like it's it's kind of old. Um like it all it all works great, but the tooling is just kind of older than than what a lot of people would expect. Um but the new one I got to build with like, I built it with TypeScript. I used uh, Prettier on it, which I thought was super fun actually. I got I used Jest for the testing on it. Um, and then I got to like reconsider the architecture of how we put this whole thing together. And I thought that was like really freeing to just approach a problem that I kind of already knew how to solve, but approach it with new tools 
I felt like I learned a lot about modern JavaScript ecosystem just doing that. That's really cool. I think a lot of people get it wrong where they are in a position where they might not necessarily know how to solve the problem, which you weren't, but they still go for the new tools. Yeah. And that ends up being a massive time suck when you could be solving problems instead. Yeah. So it's really exciting to me to hear that like you got to do something that was sort of old hat, but do it, but express it in a much more modern or better way. Those are yeah. the funnest projects. Those yeah, and so there, there's some parts of, the, of like the architecture of the original, uh, the original agent that, that came through. The concept that we called something is a uh, a watcher, as in like I I have one particular kind of like category of events that I want to pay attention to, like like the console. I want to pay attention to the console. So we create an object called a watcher, and it is responsible for watching the console and deciding when an event has happened and whether or not it needs to be an error and all those sorts of things. I thought that was a really good pattern for us. And so that one that one came across and, and, and continues to exist. But there's some other weird things that we did in the original agent that like we could get rid of and we could play with new ideas and have have some new concepts in it. And and the other thing that I'm kind of excited about is we chose to open source this agent. Oh wow. like on on the uh, on the the browser one, there were some like fun tricks that we had to spend a lot of time to uh, playing with for browser compatibility, and we didn't quite want to give those away for free uh, because it took us a lot of time to figure all of those out. Sure. And uh, and <laughs> there's you know a couple other people who like just cop like open source all of their stuff and they just copy from each other. And I'm still like super proud that our agent is like the smallest error logging agent of like anybody who does this. But on the on the server, we were like, ah, this isn't all that interesting. Like, it, I mean, it's it's in, it's fun, but like, there's nothing novel here that a competitor would look at and be like, ooh, this is the secret sauce to how this right. whole thing works. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, it's it's fine, it's whatever. Um, so I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you want to see, you know, what my code actually looks like and how things get put together. Yeah, that's really neat. And hopefully you gain some contributors from that too. Open sourcing is always a really, really cool way to uh, mass improve your service or product. Yeah. So what sorts of things is is this Node Watcher looking for? Uh, well, so what the Node Watcher does is it uh, uh, we primarily built it to sit inside of uh, Express. Okay. Um, and then by extension, uh, Next.js and and some sort of like a server-side rendering of HTML kind of things, because that was like the first real use case that, that we were presented with. Um, and so essentially, we wrap up a bunch of the base level objects. So like the first uh, bit of middleware that gets executed on your uh, node request should be the Track.js middleware, where yep. we grab the request and we wrap it up and we set up like uh, a logging context for it. And then you can log you know, things like anytime you put something into console or anytime you make a downstream network request to maybe some other services, that all stuff gets automatically wrapped up and logged, which is cool. And then uh, when you're done, as you're spitting stuff back out on the wire, if something blows up as part of any of that process, we'll automatically capture that error and, and bring it back to our system. And so you can see like, here's the error that happened. It happened while this request was executing. It happened because these other network requests had timed out or because 
this message was printed to the console or, or whatever. Um, and then uh, and then we even built a thing to hook the client and the server together. So like we'll pass a header back from our uh, server agent that the client agent will pick up, and then you'll get links between like client side errors and server side errors. So you'll, oh nice. So you'll be like, oh my client had a 500 error, it blew up. Oh, that's because the server blew up, and that was it threw a 500 error. And so you can click in and then see the server error that generated the 500 response. Which oh, is pretty. Amazing. Which is pretty neat. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so really it cool. it came together pretty fast. It's still what I would call beta, um, but I think that's mainly a name at this point, just because we haven't done a big official launch on it. Uh, but I'd say it's it's. I mean, we haven't changed the code in twenty eight days, and there's some big big sites using it at this point. So I'd say it's pretty stable. That's awesome, dude. Congratulations. Yeah. But I actually have another kind of fun story to share if we have time. Yeah, it's only we got, we do got it. Time. All right. Do so it. so last week we found a bug in Microsoft Edge. Like a bug in the browser. Uh we like, had like a blink bug? Uh, or in specific think, to Edge. I think it's a blink bug. Okay. Cool. Uh, I don't know exactly, but here, let me run it down and maybe you can tell me where this bug exists. All right, so we had some internal alarms go off in our system that a bunch of different customers were all running against the same, we're all seeing the same error come up. And it was this error, failed to construct request invalid argument. Okay. And so it only happened in Edge, but it happened in all versions of Edge. Was it like an XHR or fetch? Yeah, it turned out it was fetch. Okay. Because the fetch standard is when you when you do a fetch request, under the covers, it's, it's creating what's called a request object. Okay. A request okay. object is like the URL and like what settings you want to pass and what headers you're going to do and, sure. and that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, and there's one, uh, one option that is fairly new. It was only standardized a year ago called refer policy. So like whether or not what policy you want to use to pass the refer on. Do you only want to pass the refer to other sites with the same domain? Do you only want to pass your domain and not your full path? Um, there's, there's like six or seven options on, on what you want your policy to be. Now, if you specify this key when you're doing a fetch, edge throws an error. Like it, it's it's not if you, if just, you give it any value. It doesn't matter what value you give it. You can give it the value garbage fire. Sure. If you specify this key when you're creating it, Edge just rejects the fetch altogether and throws an error. And it, yeah. it's, it's only on this key. Like you can pass other keys that it doesn't support. Like you can say, you know, Todd is cool as an option, and Edge will be like. Yeah, he is moving right along and just not do anything with it as it should. But if you specify this key, it would blow up probably because there's some implementation inside of Edge's uh, code base that's saying, hey, this is a key that is like something, it means something to us. You can't set it in your options. And so it's not just that Edge doesn't support this new standard, but it actively breaks if you do a standard thing. And the reason why it started happening now is because Facebook 
made a change to their SDK.js file that went up. It's basically, if you put Facebook on any of your code anywhere and on your client side, you're pulling this SDK file. Mm -hmm. And in their version of the file, or in this new version, they were specifying referrer policy. And so basically, because Facebook is so big, like they triggered this bug to happen and they broke Facebook for every edge user since probably August 28th is when we started seeing it. Um, and so that was fun, like so debugging this and getting down to it. At any point, did you think that your agent was broken? Yeah, I mean, that's always the first like kind of panic point is that, like, oh shit, we broke something. Right. Like, uh, like it's happening to a bunch of different people and it's an error in fetch. It's like, shit, is there like something wrong with how we built a wrapper for fetch? Um, and so we went in kind of with that fear in mind. But as we started debugging, we're like, no, it's not us. Like, we're catching this thing because Edge is throwing an error. Right. Why would Edge throw an error? And then we could recreate it without us involved. And then we could recreate it. Like we got down to like a really narrow thing. Um, and so there, we actually created a bug out in uh, out in the the Edge bug tracker, and they've marked it as accepted, and they're working on it. Uh, so yay, we found a bug. You helped, probably, you uh, honestly, the internet. It's probably not even gonna like turn into anything because like Edge is like weeks away from switching to Chromium, so they're probably oh, just gonna okay. be like whatever, it doesn't matter. So okay, so it was they haven't switched engines yet, so it's something in their code. It's That's definitely the their code. It's okay. definitely their code. Well, congratulations on it not being your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so that, yeah, that's what I, I spent probably two whole days digging into that one. Oh, and then and then Facebook fought me for a while because I tried to file a bug with them too. And they're like, oh yeah, we don't we don't care about your third party code. I'm like, dude, it's not my third party code. Your SDK is breaking edge. You should fix that. So was that a net negative experience? Were they cool uh, about were they cool about it? Or did they're, you get it? I mean, they're, I don't know, they're all right. Right now, all they're <laughs> saying is that they're, they forward it for further investigation. But like, right. they didn't, they haven't really told me anything. They don't, I don't know if it's, if it's gonna work or not. But we got to actually exercise one of the coolest features in TrackJS as part of this, which is a, a feature that we call solutions. And so if you get an error in your TrackJS um, uh, UI, and we know what the error is, like we do in this case now, mm -hmm. we actually repaint the UI with like this big message on the top of it that says, hey, this is what this is. Here's a, here's like some information about it. And there's like maybe two dozen errors that we like know exactly what they are. Um, and so like this major thing that's still happening to a bunch of people are now all seeing these solutions in their UI, which I really like, because it's one of my favorite things that we've ever built. Awesome. TrackJS is balling, dude. Yeah, things have been going really well. Really well. I've been that's happy. Cool, man. All right. Well, so that's what we've been working on. Told a couple of stories today. I think it was a good show. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. It's really, like, I love having guests on, but some of my funnest times are after the show, 
like just talking about what people are working on. And I'm just glad that we were able to do something like that for everybody today. I agree. But we want to know what you think of the show. So if you want to hear more just kind of BSing about like the kind of stuff that we're working on, let us know. If you think this is cool, let us know. If you think this is dumb, let us know. We want to make the show that you want to listen to. So if you think know. it's dumb, at least be nice about it. Yeah, be nice to us. I don't know that our <laughs> e our fragile egos can handle it. Oh, mine definitely can. But... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, thank you so much for listening. I'm Todd Gardner. I'm David Walsh. See you next week. The Script and Style Show is recorded and produced by David Walsh and Todd Gardner. We'll see you next time on Script and Style.